Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. And today, we have a brand new Josh rounding out our trilogy of other Joshes. Welcome to the show, Josh Hacko. Hey guys, my name's Josh Hacko. And I guess we've got my beautiful fiance as well. <laughs> Mary Ellen Fairfax. So it's not just a Josh, uh, a Josh trilogy. No, Josh is no longer single. He's, he's always with me now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to take this opportunity to thank Mary Ellen for letting us take this time out of her busy schedule to lend us Josh. Um, so it's. Oh, uh, and thanks yeah. for letting me third wheel. I really appreciate that. So. I feel like I'm third wheeling right now. <laughs> I feel very objectified. Like. I'm a possession that needs to be lended out. I kind of like it. It's not bad. Hey, man, just wait till you get married, man. It's the best. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Hey, so, so good to have you guys on the podcast with us. Thank you once again for joining us for our final episode of season three of Burn the Haystack. Um, why don't you tell the lovely people a little bit about your lovely selves? Um, who, the, who the hacko are you? <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just came up with that on the spot I'm sorry No, I, I bet you're the kind of guy That would have that stored up for like weeks on end waiting, Yeah I've just Just got yes I'm gonna oh, Yes this is the one Yes alright uh, Well my name is Joshua Nicholas Hacker That's my full name And I live in Sydney Australia And uh, I'm a watchmaker That's my day job and uh, for the last, oh, say, 10 years, I've been attending the same local church and have had the wonderful opportunity to get really involved in all sorts of different facets of ministry. And um, most recently, and this has kind of like been a little bit of a transition, uh, I went from youth ministry to teen ministry, which I think is my true passion. And Interesting. Um, yeah, it's been like a big shift and obviously uh, it's not been the smoothest start to the year of teen ministry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like the little bit of lowdown. Uh, I work with my father, who's also a watchmaker. That makes me the fourth generation actually. And um, wow. we manufacture watches in Australia and uh, have a really good time doing it. <laughs> That's actually so cool. I legitimately do not know any other person who is a watchmaker. So, yeah, so so awesome. How did your did your dad basically? I'm, I'm interested in how this happened. Did your dad basically say, "Hey, this is like this is like a father to son sort of generational thing. You have no choice in the matter." Or how did that conversation go down? Um, there was a bit of that. I think there was a really strong expectation. It was never verbal, like one of those kind of I'll be disappointed if you don't do it vibes. Um, but I think I think I never even got to, to that stage of like contemplating if I wanted to do it. It was always in my mind something that like was just a normal thing. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with like my exposure. I, I kind of grew up in a workshop Um Worked, worked the school holidays with my parents and it felt less of kind of doing a trade or uh, entering into a family business but just um, being part of like a family team almost. Um, my parents, they kind of, yeah, self-employed and did their own thing and all that sort of stuff and I was expected to play on their side. Like I actually remember... Um, I don't think I've told anyone this actually, which is hilarious. Wow. But I remember being about nine or 10 years old towards the end of primary school. And um, I wanted either to spend some money that I'd saved or it was uh, go out somewhere. It was, it was something to do with like spending some money. And my parents weren't in like probably the best financial scenario. And um, dad just pulled out that team analogy he's like we're all playing on the same team and 
you know, it'd be really nice if you could save your money and uh, kind of um, think about your decisions in the in the context of the whole family. Because, like, if you spend all your money here, you know, you might not be able to buy something else and we might have to pay. It was never the matter of the money. It was mm. more the matter of the principle. Um, so that, yeah, it was, it was never like, son, you got to work in the family business. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not going to be great for the family. It was more come join the family team. <laughs> wow. Oi, that is so cool. That is so cool. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. I have so many watchmaker questions, but I feel like we, maybe we can get to that later. But uh, Mary Ellen, how about you? Yeah, so um, my name is Mary Ellen Fairfax. Mary Ellen Rebecca Fairfax, if you're using our full names, as Josh did before. <laughs> and um, I am employed actually at Adventist Record, which for those who don't live in the South Pacific, is basically the South Pacific division of the Adventist Church. It's our like division-wide magazine. And um, yeah, it's a really great job because I get to interact with all of the Adventists and I tend to like know everyone and like who's doing what. And so it's like, yeah, if, if you want like someone who knows all the Adventist boss, come and see me because I have an So <laughs> that's where it all starts from. Oh, <laughs> uh, mm. yeah, it's pretty losing. It's not a nice. No. It's a. <laughs> no, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically I work there as an assistant editor and I work with a really great team. Um, everything from like writing news stories to graphic design to actually recording, not a podcast, but we do every Thursday uh, something called Record Live. So we've been interviewing mm. at the moment um, people, and this will date this podcast, so I'm sorry, but you know, it is what it is, um, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. Mm. So yeah, it's really, it's a really great kind of a job to have very varied um, so yeah, usually I'm sitting on that side of the podcast, Jesse. I'm the one asking the questions. So oh <laughs> yeah, how the tables have been turned. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Did you always did you always want to work in media, Ariel? Oh, that's a that's a story and a half. Without going Ooh. into too many details, um, I always wanted to be in a creative space. I remember mm. like. You know, being asked as a five-year-old, what do you want to do? And it was always, artist, artist. There was never anything else. Um, but, of course, as you get older and you sort of, you know, the real world kicks in, you realise that that's not necessarily that feasible. So I always knew I wanted to work in a creative um, or, like, writing space. But funnily enough, um, up until this time last year, I was studying a law degree, mm. which I managed to finish but will probably never use. So... Um, I think God has really given me this particular job. It was such divine intervention and it got me out of that career path, which has been a real blessing. So not that lawyers wow. or anything like that is, is bad. Lawyers are fantastic. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> All lawyers are evil. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No, that's cool. That's so cool. Ah, oh, awesome. Well, hey, um, today we are going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff, but I really wanted to focus mm -hmm. in on... Uh, how you guys have been navigating this whole wacky, bizarre season that we've been kind of all living and enduring through the last three, four months, whatever the case may be, um, and how we see the future moving forward. But before we do that, we have to do the most important part of the podcast. It is, of course, the question of the week. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So, in case you don't know, this is just a very random question. I haven't told these guys what it is. In fact, I don't think I even told them that we were doing this. So, um, <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> all right. So, this is this is all about the hot takes, all right? So, this is our hot take. This should be called hot take of the week, but anyway, the question is what do you think is the most overrated TV show or movie? The show or t the, the show or movie that is everybody loves it. It's it's so popular, universally loved, but you just mm -hmm. think is so overrated. Either of you can go first, bro. Why why do you have to like put wedges in my relationship? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no! Oh right. no! It's Friends. I, I, think, <laughs> I reckon. I think Friends is like one of the <laughs> most basic shows out there. And 
<laughs> Sorry, like I'm, I'm sending people left, right, and center here, but it's yeah, it it's not the basicness or basicity. I don't know what you call basil. It. Basil. <laughs> basil. I feel like we're getting into herbs. <laughs> yeah, it's not the basil nature of it. It's mm. more how, um, like disproportionately popular it is to the quality of the show. Mm. Um, oh, I'm so offended. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone loves it. Oh, so, yeah. like, I'll watch it. No no problems. It's not like it's something I dislike. It's it's just overrated. You're just salty because it's one, like, the best um, sitcom of all time, but you like Seinfeld. That, that's why you're saying it. I'm a Seinfeld guy, and that's yeah. kind of like, yeah, at, at, at odds with liking friends. <laughs> yeah. Seinfeld's just got a little bit more of an edge. It's a little bit more cynical. It's a little bit more, I mean, it's a show about nothing. I mean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, the first thing that comes to my mind, and so there's many that I could list, and not to offend like half of the world's population right now, but Lord of the Rings. (gasps) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like uh, I've watched them. I've watched both like the, director's cut and the extender's cut or whatever it is like one like four hours and one three hours per episode and I the first one maybe like half of the first one was okay but then after that I was like I don't even know what's happening anymore like it was (laughs) maybe it's just more of a female thing but yeah I I think I'm very sorry (laughs) you know I I used to like you Mary Ellen I just thought you were a great person So this question, Jesse, has driven a wedge between all three of us in the way. So the rest I, of the could be interesting. Forgive me for I know not what I do. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, I'm still tight with Jesse. Hey. Look, no, that's 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 fair enough. That's fair enough. And you know what? I actually, Karina, my wife and I are pretty well on that same wavelength as far as where you guys are at. Karina has since we uh, in during lockdown we watched The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings back to back. She enjoyed that. She likes The Hobbit. It's more fun. I'm not as much of a fan. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. I've I've been a Lord of the Rings fan for a long time. So it's just <laughs> you, yeah, you you can't win with that sort of with that sort of question, unfortunately. But um, you know, I was going to say Friends as well, but. Um, I'll have to go another step and probably alienate even more people and say The Big Bang Theory. Mm. Yeah, no. <sighs> another show that my wife loves, uh, sadly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she loves Friends. She loves Big Bang. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know. I just, I think I, I think Big Bang was kind of dated for even for its time. And as time has gone by, I just think that it's gotten less and less relevant to where society is actually at. Um, mm. I don't know. I just watched some of the earlier episodes and I see this sort of humor and it's that very sort of two and a half men style humor, which yeah. is of course, you know, Chuck Law, you know, created both shows and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like doesn't, doesn't do it. Vibe. Mm. I yeah. remember um, being sort of, oh, it would have been like maybe sometime in high school or something like that. And seeing that Big Bang Theory was on on TV and not knowing what it was and not watching it because I was like a, a six-day literal creationist that like stood by <laughs> yep. what I wanted yep. to, to, to read into Bible and all the rest. And, yep. um, and then I watched it once and felt like dirty. I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. Like I'm watching the Big Bang. Yeah, not about science, but about like bad humor. It'll brainwash you into liking bad TV shows. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Oh, that is so funny. That is so funny. Yeah. We, yeah, my family was the same until they started watching it and they were like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm over it. I'm done now. If my parents like it, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> is that just a thing though? Like, I feel like the, my parents or our parents' generation is just one, one cycle of fads out of sync, you know? Mm. Um, like Facebook, you see like Marilyn's yep. dad, well, he's like 78. 78, yeah. yeah, 78. And he's got wow. Facebook now. 
And he's like complaining about how people add him on Facebook and stuff. And I'm like, I'm ready to deactivate, man. Like, yep. <laughs> you just joined. Yeah, he complains about getting emails from Facebook, like 10 a oh. day or whatever. Everyone's updating their services. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to use Facebook, but he doesn't know how to turn off the email notifications. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jesse, I'm fully sidetracking this. I, I feel it. I feel it. No, that's all good. That's all good. Hey, um, so today I'd love us to talk about, well, first of all, how have you guys been going through this weird lockdown period how's life been for you Mm. oh look it's it's a difficult one because i actually feel really selfish in my answer i feel like the whole the whole world is crumbling you know you watch the news and it's just like one thing after the next after the next 2020 being an absolute like train wreck and i'm sitting there and i'm like waiting it's like it's like a slow motion shoot em up sequence and i'm waiting for the bullets to hit me I'm just waiting and nothing's happening and I'm still sitting comfortably on the couch in my pyjamas with some hot chocolate in my hand like, hang on a second, is this even real? Like, Because for me, I haven't really been affected that much. I mean, I'm working from home still. We're going back in a couple of weeks. Um, but like overall, minus some probably like social uh, feelings of sort of you know loneliness and things like that, it's been okay. Um, and that's in a purely like day-to-day way. Mm. But um, yeah, what, what about you, yeah, it's tough. I, I spend a lot of time working. That's kind of um, my sort of uh, like respite from all of this uh, like COVID stuff and lockdowns and all the rest. I just ended up working a lot more and um, not for no reason. Like we probably had and we're in the luxury goods business, so it's completely counterintuitive, but we probably had our best sales quarter ever on like recorded history and wow. that, that's like a, a combination of probably thousands of different things. I, I wouldn't pin it to one thing. But um, what it's meant is that I've lived a lot of my hours in a bubble where I'm sort of disconnected from reality. And the only times I kind of feel it were like, especially when lockdown was a little bit more serious, not now, but um you know, when you go out to buy some groceries and you have to queue up to go to Woolies or um, just noticing that, like, the the place I go to for lunch is, you know, packed up all its chairs and you can only take takeout and things like that. So that's really been those qual- small quality of life things that just they don't even go bad. They just change. Mm. And uh, aside from that, um, it's definitely been, like, the social... Um, Void, mm. like that's yeah. the actual biggest impact, and you don't realize it for the first week or two weeks or three weeks, and suddenly it's like, oh, I haven't seen, you know, these people that I see every single Saturday and maybe every single Friday night or Saturday mm. afternoon, I don't see them, and when I do, it's like, it's like a party, you know, mm. and that's yeah. not natural. Like I've, I've lived my entire life meeting up with my friends every single week, and. Uh, yeah it's just what you do yeah yeah exactly. yeah like we're both fairly involved in our church community and both in like leadership role we're just yeah very involved um but yeah for me like it all hit like a ton of bricks like yeah for the first probably month even i was almost relieved I'm like, oh thank goodness like <laughs> before that i had been catching up with people for various reasons probably like three out of five of them, like the work nights per week. And I work full time. So that was intense. And on top of that, I was doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So just getting to breathe and just be like, oh, the pressure was was so nice. But then suddenly it all just hit me like a, yeah, like a ton of bricks. And I was kind of depressed. It was, it was a really weird emotional reaction just suddenly came on. And even now I'm still kind of trying to recover from that by, yeah, by catching up with people again. But I almost forget that the reason for my lack of like closeness with people is coronavirus. And I feel really guilty. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't put up with you. Like, where's our friendship gone? Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> We've just been locked down for three months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you guys, would you class yourselves as introverts or extroverts or where do you sort of fall in that spectrum? Good question. I'm definitely more introverted. Um, I could be locked up like for a week and be totally fine. But I think that's just <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, I think in, in like in social settings, I'm an extrovert, but often I work alone 
And yeah. that's like a nine, 10 hour day that I don't talk to anyone. And it's fine. Like I could keep doing this, but I think that's only because I'm occupied. As soon as I'm not, mm. I'm a bit antsy. Because um, as, as you were talking about it, I was like, that is not the usual sort of how you would stereotypically see like an artisan type job you would usually see the artisan as the guy who kind of likes you know i'll just go to my workshop and i'll just whittle away for hours very happily creating whatever masterpiece he's creating you know that's uh yeah that's interesting that's interesting yeah. i don't know about masterpieces bro but um they're definitely pieces <laughs> <laughs> hey man got, you got to get those ten thousand hours in eh yeah I'm, I'm a long shot away yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you both mentioned that you are heavily involved in leadership at, you know, in, in church and all that sort of stuff. And, um, Josh, you also mentioned that you transitioned from youth ministry to teen ministry. How mm. has, uh, COVID affected your ministry and the people, you know, adjacent to you up and down all that sort of stuff? How's that been for you guys? Um, yeah, not great. <laughs> um, not only did we, did, sorry, did, not only did I transition from teen, uh, from youth to teen ministry, I also uh, got in touch with our Pathfinder Club and mm. said, hey, Melon, do you want to host a, not host, but like teach a Pathfinder class? And that was right at the start of the year, kind of like towards the end of last year. And um, we snuck in one hall meeting, which what? is yeah, which is like a, <laughs> oh, to which only two people turned up, like two people in our uh, class turned up because it was like the first intro one. Yeah, <sighs> no, no, it was three people, and two of them were adults. Big success. Yeah, like, and I'm getting hyped up. Like, this is gonna be the best year ever. We're gonna go on camps and like, and like know, it's not a small apartment. It's a pretty big oh, one yeah. as well. So we were really shocked maybe one of the largest in Sydney, maybe like top five or something like that. And um, yeah, we snuck this one hall meeting and like Pathfinders for those who don't know, it's like scouts. It's pretty much just scouts with Bible. And um, uh, I, I just realized really quickly, as soon as the lockdown started, that this year was not going to be that like explosive, um, uh, eye-catching, like, I don't know, hyped up year that teens ministry needs, right? Yeah. And um, all the plans that I kind of had in my head uh, evaporated really quickly and that left me pretty demotivated. Like, you know, teens ministry thrives off, in, in my opinion, this is just like what I've either garnered from other people or made mistakes and learned from. But I think teen ministry thrives off like uh, face-to-face, high-energy um, interaction with the teens mm. and the kids. Yeah. And when you are stripped of like three out of the four things that you need to have a successful teens ministry, it's it's just so demotivating. You like stop planning and you stop doing this. And thank, thank goodness um, I'm not the only one in the team and there's been other people that are like, you know, picked up the slack. And um, Mary Ellen's sister's boyfriend, Hamish, he's like really involved as well and our we had a new pastor as well called Eden um, and she's been doing like zoom Bible studies with, mm. with the teens. And that's, that's really refreshing because um, I feel like even though my, uh, I guess am- ambitions and expectations were not met someone else's spiritual gifts and mm. uh, yeah, giftings were brought to the highlight. So like mm. Eden is a fantastic communicator and i think like those zoom classes are the perfect medium for for that sort of stuff so it's like i guess you can be as demotivated as you want but as long as you're still looking for the silver linings and like the like the positive things about this covid situation that's that's all you really need to power through Hmm. how do you think how do you think the church has reacted in terms of like we are such a gatherings focused um organization how has your local church sort of coped as, as a whole have you have you noticed any trends or what, what's what's the situation yeah that's that's a good question i'd say um our local church like probably most adventist local churches is very focused on programs you know we have a youth program we have teen programs 
um, you know, the classic music sermon food ca- like cafe thing afterwards, whatever, which is great. Um, yeah. But yeah, we haven't obviously been able to do any of that. And so I guess really all that's been happening is like a midweek small group on Zoom, uh, Friday night small group on Zoom, and then Sabbath morning Sabbath school on Zoom. And I say only, but that's like three things a week, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, oh, it's all on Zoom. But what's been yeah. really interesting is that we've actually had more attendance at Sabbath School now mm. on online than what we have actually in person ever. Which <laughs> 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 is crazy. And I think that goes to show how much people don't like getting up early to get to church. But yeah, yeah like as good as, as good as it has been to be able to catch up with people still and how, as grateful as I am for technology, it's just not the same. It's really hard to build that sort of, culture that excitement and um yeah so in terms of what i do at church i was doing communications for both youth and also the greater church community for many years before this year but this year i kind of stepped down and i was like oh you know i'm working for record now i'm going to be all communication out if i do this for church i'm going to take on sabbath school and i had all of these plans in place and you're going to have breakfast one month and you're going to do this and that and the other and nothing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah demotivation is definitely real um, and I think as well um, we're, we're in a really interesting scenario with our local church where we have a very large youth group mm-hmm. I would say and we're sort of I don't want to say detached but we, we more or less run our own church, um, within, on, a church. within a church yeah so it's mm-hmm. like we've got our own Sabbath school we've got our own um, like outings like social outings we even occasionally do our own youth services and our programs, like Friday night, Friday night programs. And uh, your question was like, how, how did the church? So I think our youth group did really well. Like we all transitioned ah. really quickly to Zoom and stuff, but our church as a body, if you count in all like the uh, parents and uh, like, sorry, young adults with kids yep. all the way up to kind of um, retirees, retirees and, and grey nomads, that that's dead, man. It's like, really? Yeah. Wow. They, they, they just tune in. I mean, not they, but like we all, uh, as a church body, tune in on Saturday morning for the live stream service, uh, whichever format that gets taken in. But that's it, you know. And yeah. you have to wonder. It's like we got pulled out of a building, mm. but where did our church go? You know. Mm. Yeah. So, what what do you think what do you think that comes down to? Is it an unwillingness to engage with the technology? Like if you say that your young adults and your, your sort of youth church is still pumping along with all those different touch points, but the greater church isn't, do you think there are any reason like of course there are reasons, but what do you think <laughs> are the reasons behind that? <laughs> um yeah, it's, a, it's as with all church things, I think it's multifaceted. Uh, and I think one large facet of that problem is, uh, I'd say, like a general lack of church community that extends beyond Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd, I'd like to think that this is not an uncommon problem in the sense that we're not like special for not having um, a tight community outside of Saturday. But I think that's just the way, uh, I think that's just the way, I don't want to stereotype or like point out a specific demographic, but I think that's just the way our sort of uh, white collar, upper Mm. class um, community in Sydney, especially like in a metropolitan church, is that right? Metropolitan? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, oh, look at you. Yeah, big words, man. Oh. <laughs> I think that's how we function as this kind of slice of the demographic. We uh, like uh, allocate our time in the week for work and for all of the kind of non-spiritual things and our spiritual things, which also include our community bonding for mm. on Saturday. So as soon yep. as Saturday got taken out of the equation, it didn't matter like how complicated it was, like obviously it does, but I don't think the Zoom element, like, hey, I can't log on to Zoom or right, Facebook right, right. Live is being weird. I don't think that was as big as an issue as um, 
just lack of bonding, like mm. deep interpersonal connection was. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a technological issue. Um, it, it's a heart issue. And what's been really interesting to me is that for most people during this time of quote-unquote crisis, there's been a lot more time during the week. You know, people aren't going out at nighttime anymore. They're not catching up with these people. They don't have all these commitments. Everything's been cancelled. And I think a lot of certain demographic, insert demographic here, I'm guilty of this as well. So this is not like isolated to that group of people that don't have a small group during the week or whatever. But um, yeah, a lot of people blame, oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, I'm just too busy. Like, you know, I, I work full time. Do you understand how tired I am after work? I can't catch up with small group. I can't serve at church. Like it's just too much. And that's an excuse I get over and over and over and over again. And I've given it myself. But the reality is that's not it because now that there's nothing on, you still don't have the desire to catch up with people your own age at church or to X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. And I don't really know what that is. I personally think that, you know, living in a really big city where there's a lot of consumerism and materialism, you just really don't desire God because you desire all of these other things. Mm. That's another can of worms for another time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, interesting. it's been interesting to see it all unfold, I guess. Yeah. I... Uh... I've been saying something the last couple of episodes and we've kind of been coming back to it over and over again that mm -hmm. I think this whole COVID crisis is going to reveal the Christians who are in this because they desire God and they desire community and they desire to live in the way of Jesus with other like-minded Jesus followers. And they will actually make the effort when it's difficult or awkward or strange. But I think this is also going to expose the people who were just in it for, they were just passengers on the train. You know, they, mm -hmm. they they weren't really heart and soul, flesh in the game sort of people when it came to church. They're just kind of, hey, my friends are there. My family's there. I'll just go there. And now that there is no longer here, <laughs> they're not here anymore. It, mm -hmm. And... Even in my local church, you know, I, I, I pastor a very small church by comparison to what you guys are involved with. Um, but even even saying that, there were members of my church who just, they just weren't there. No matter how many times we emailed, called, texted, um, wanting to get them involved, wanting to get them, you know, engaged in something, anything. Mm. There were just people who were like, you know what, eh, and now they're kind of, we in New Zealand are able to come and do full church now because up until yesterday, we had no cases for like three weeks and then two mm. British people had to come and ruin it for everybody. But uh, <laughs> that's, sorry, that sounded very... <laughs> Those Brits. <laughs> Those Brits, they're ruining it for all of us. Anyway, um, yeah, so, so we're able, I mean, who knows how long this is going to last for, but these people, they're kind of slowly coming back. But it's just interesting going, man, you were not here during the mm -hmm. the winter season, but now that the ice is thawing out, you're kind of just slotting back into it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like I'm in the right space to make a spiritual judgment call in somebody's life, mm -hmm. but it does make me wonder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been quite surprising actually. Um, I guess, you know, as, as an Adventist, you know, you focus on the great controversy and the end of time and, you know, Jesus return. It's like literally Seventh-day Adventist. So Jesus is coming back. <laughs> um, and we're so into conspiracies and all of these, you know, oh, everything bad's going to happen soon. And we, we're like focusing on it. Oh, you know, first it was George Bush, then it was Trump, and then it was the Pope, like all of this stuff. And 2020, we have seen so many terrible things unfold, like, mm. It has threatened so many people's lives at like you know, a pretty serious level, yeah. um, and yet still people aren't that interested in spirituality. Like a lot of people, like I've, I've heard you know interviews of people, other podcasts and things. You know, um, people telling me like telling the audience all this kind of stuff. It's like yeah, you'd think that like you know you've been spiritually asleep, quote unquote, for all this time, and suddenly all these bad things happen. You're like, oh, I've time to you know get out my Bible and read it. Mm. Now that I've got time. But people aren't doing that. So it just makes me wonder, you know, why? Is it just that we don't think it's that bad yet? Or, yeah, it is a question I've had. <laughs> it does make you wonder how, 
how bad do things truly need to get before people like go, you know what? I should probably get some of my ducks in the row with my spiritual understanding. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. That's crazy. Man, deeper philosophers than us can definitely ponder that for uh, for eons to come. Um <laughs> I want. I wanted to ask you guys. Okay, the whole online church thing, cyber church, Facebook church, Zoom church, live streaming, uh, Google Hangouts, the whole deal. What's what, what's been your reactions? What's been your reactions? Because I'm sure you've seen. You've got your local church context, and then you've seen a whole bunch of other different churches. Mary Ellen, I'm sure you have like a whole different perspective on this, being in communications and seeing what everybody's doing around the whole mm-hmm. South Pacific. What what's what's been your reflections? Give me give me the hot takes. You first. Um, yeah, it it works when it kind of like it it rose up to the occasion in in many ways because we still communicated in a group as as like group as you could get. Um, I think twenty years ago you would have made some sort of like group phone call or something like that in the absence of um, online church. Uh, but I'd say on a more uh, sort of interpersonal level, you know, there's something about driving to a place or walking to a place or like physically going somewhere and being forced to stay there for a certain amount of time because you went there, right, that yeah. uh, engages you slightly more, right? Uh, what I'm trying to say is that because church is online and it's just one like Alt F4 or X button away from not being online, uh, your level of engagement, I think, suffers. Mm. Um, and that's probably a systemic thing. Like I, I, I can't can't really see how it would be just a personal thing um, if everyone's experiencing it. But long story short, I think it's uh, it's as, it, the best that we could guess. Uh, in trying to bring like 20 or 30 or 50 people in, in on one space. Um, and the other downside that I've had, well, actually, downside and upside is that uh, you kind of have to, if you do want to be present, you you have to listen. You can't just um, like shuffle over to the person mm-hmm. next to you and start chatting away while someone's preaching uh, on Zoom because um, either A, they'll hear you if you're <laughs> <laughs> then like you, you kind of sacrifice the whole point of being there because it's because it is so easy to leave. Why don't you just leave? Now that's like mm. a really cynical approach, I think to online church. Um, and I like really want to stress that it's probably the best thing that we could have done, but I, I just can't wait to go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a really interesting perspective. Um, I know for me, like I see a lot of Adventist and non-Adventist churches, um, Basically, one of my jobs at Adventist Record is to get something called flashpoints, and it's basically a, a page of eight or nine, nine stories from all around the division, you know, little churches that have opened up or 10 people have been baptized here and there or whatever. So what I do for that is I go on Facebook, I go to the search tab, I type in Adventist, then I click on pages, and then I open up every single Adventist page that I can find in the South Pacific. Now, this is like 100 different pages. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm like scrolling through and trying to find something of value, some new story or whatever. But what has been really interesting to me is that at first, you know, the first month maybe of the closures, the lockdowns, um, yeah, it was sort of a novel thing to be online and to have a church service. And we were really lucky at our church that we were on that fairly quickly. Mm. Um, but now like every single Facebook page, doesn't matter how small the church is, there's like either a live stream Zoom or there is like a, you know, video of a sermon or this or that or the other. And look, not to draw this, I can't think of any better analogy, but um, don't think I'm insensitive. It's just, it's actually a psychological concept and I'm not sure what it's called. But when you see, for example, um, you know, uh, Asian aid or something advertising, oh, okay, sponsor a child, sponsor a child. When you see that advertisement a hundred times, Suddenly, mm. you don't even see that starving child anymore. Like it's just you yep. just scroll past it because you're so exhausted by these images. And I think it's the same thing with this online church concept. People are just over it. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's more on top of that 
when you can just select and pick and choose all of these sermons, whether it be on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, are you really going to listen to, I don't know, the, the back of the pastor preaching or are you going to listen to like the Stephen Furtick's and the Tim Kellers and like, yeah. you know, there's yeah. sort of this, um, yeah, selection bias that we have and you can pick and choose whatever you want to hear and ignore what you don't want to hear. And mm. I'm not sure that God works like that, the gospel <laughs> works like that, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and just I guess from that, I think that it's really telling. And like we, we talked about this very briefly before we started the podcast, but like it's gotten to a point where we've, or at least some people have satirized online church. And it's like, yes, you know, I, it's just like small plug to Jono's fantastic Facebook page. But yes, yes. Please explain, like, please explain to people what that is. <laughs> okay. Um, well, long story short, I don't, I don't actually know what it is, um, but I got an invite to, to join this Facebook group like two or three nights ago. What's it called? Uh, okay, I'm going to say a group where we all pretend to be members of the same church. That's yes. right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I thought it was like a, a serious project. I thought it was like another online church project and like maybe like people. <laughs> voice or i don't know like you know right right and then i saw like the first two or three posts and it was just a meme page it was yeah it's like a a really highbrow church-based meme page and um i sort of fell in love and i think (laughs) i think i've not not felt these emotions this deeply in a long time towards Something I gotta say, I gotta say, as 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 somebody who is a part of many groups that people invite me to, uh, sometimes not even really wanting to be part of the groups, and all the conversations and all the fights that happen, this is like a breath of fresh air. This is, and it's so meta. It's like it's like if this whole season was an episode of Community. Um, mm. Or something like that. It just incredible. <laughs> and Mary Ellen, because I like I showed her the thing. I think I made like what two nights ago or something. And she just said it's like uh, like the A class SDA youth and like <laughs> highlight celebrities of the SDA like Australian community uh, just got <laughs> together on the Facebook page and started memeing their way out of out of COVID and. <laughs> I love yes. that. Like, I love that. I love that it's um, it's got like a meta aspect to it because I bet there's so many people that are just so fed up with online church and they don't have an avenue to vent. Yeah. And even if this is like one small um, Facebook page that you know presents a little bit of humor about the whole situation, it's so worth it. It's so so good. Yep. Well, this is this is what meme culture is all about, right? It's about oftentimes something horrible or something really serious, and it's a way of collective thera- therapeuticizing. Ther- ther- I don't even know. <laughs> Co- collective. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like collective therapy for for everybody to just meme it up. It's so good. Um, mm. And I also appreciate just quick pl- once again plug to Jono. I also appreciate the banner is a picture of a church by Lake Tekapo in the South Island, the Church of the Good Shepherd. It's just mwah, mwah. It's beautiful. He couldn't he he couldn't resist not putting a little bit of his Kiwi heritage in there, even though he has betrayed New Zealand to live in Melbourne. But that's just a small detail. Anyway. <laughs> you guys just swapped countries, that's all. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, oh my goodness, it's a weird, and this is part of this is this is part of this whole conversation. Is me thinking, okay, what are the plans that I had for this year, personally, ministry, mm-hmm. work, all that sort of stuff? What were the plans that I had for this year? And when I think back to all the stuff that I thought was going to happen this year, like I started this year going, oh my goodness, this is going to be the busiest year of my life. Um, I was supposed to be a delegate going to the general conference session in like a week's time. And mm. I was, and I, and I, I've been a delegate for like two years. Like they asked me two years ago. So I've been like stressing out about going excited, mm. terrified for like two years. And then they cancel it. And I'm like, 
what was all that stress <laughs> and excitement <laughs> for? You know, I had all these plans in my local church, um, my chaplaincy for the podcast. Oh my goodness, we had so many plans, man. But they all kind of evaporated out of nowhere. And I think that maybe that's the the theme for 2020 is this year where we all kind of collectively came together, started doing something and then just stopped <laughs> for, for absolutely no reason. What what is I mean we've kind of talked a little bit about that with you guys already, but how was your experience of that? Like what plans have come on hold or, you know, when you thinking about all this stuff? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned the general conference. I had a similar experience. I was asked in, I think it was like November last year or something, um, because I present this little news bulletin for my job and someone picked it up at the GC and they're like, hey, would you like to present the afternoon news program at the general conference? Wow. So it was going to be my year of travel because Josh and I were going to go with Pathfinders somewhere and then it was general conference. And then on top of that, we're getting married. We are still getting married, but not the plan. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the worst time, by the way, to announce any sudden changes to that engagement status. Yeah. Live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, well, I'm so glad to hear that. As well, and so we were like, yeah. oh, I was you know, really excited to get to travel. But as soon as the lockdown kicked in and everything just sort of fell through the cracks. Um, yeah. Like for the first week of our engagement, I was so excited and like, you know, planning everything. Oh, we'll meet this person, this person, this person. And suddenly everything stopped for a month. And as much as I could complain about not being able to travel to America, not that I would complain now, it seems like a terrible person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, but as much as I could complain, I'm actually very, very grateful for that downtime to just reassess my priorities to actually practice some gratitude for what I do have because I think we're just so, so lucky to have come out of this as well as we have, especially in Australia and New Zealand. So, yeah. yeah. But what about you, Josh? What are your plans? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, getting married, I think. Um, We got engaged in February and it was sort of like plan as quickly as you can so we could get it out of the way and and then as soon as we were like about to start locking things down COVID hit and it just threw all the plans up into the air like you couldn't you couldn't be certain about a single thing and uh it was like a very good backdrop to what the next three months were going to be um which was actually pretty good because i like that was the biggest thing outside of travel. I was going to go to the US as well for a business trip, actually all over the world for a long business trip and um, also to New Zealand with the Pathfinders to do the root burn. Um, and because all the wedding and sort of uh, post-engagement plans got uh, shifted, it framed my perspective really well for everything that was going to happen. I was like, oh, okay, well, it is what it is. You can't change it. You can't do nothing about it. Um, but I think it still took me about like a maybe a whole month to start thinking about things positively and trying yeah. trying to find that like silver lining. Um, but in terms of church as well, I think, yeah, it's it's just sad for me because I went through like a little phase of. Um, almost being like, yeah, probably on the edge of burnt out. And I, I was really excited to establish like good habits in saying no to things and saying yes to like the things that matter. And, um, I, instead I just like held on to that burnt out feeling through lockdown and through COVID and didn't have a chance to exercise that, like say yes in the right, for the right thing muscle. Um, and it's only now, like towards the middle part of June, that we've I've been able to like slowly exercise that. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's very good that we're coming out on on like the other end pretty unscathed, as you said. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I think COVID has really illustrated for 
a lot of people is that it's given us this big, big fat opportunity of, 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 you know, potential and said, Hey, what are you going to do with it? And mm. I'll be honest. I don't think I really used my potential uh, to the, the most creative or innovative degree that I, I possibly could have. When we went into it, I had all these ideas. Oh, I'll finally start working on that novel that I started or I'll, <laughs> I'll make the YouTube channel that's not Burn the Haystack that, so I can make videos. But did it all really happen? No, it didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst everybody else was baking brioche bread and doing... Everybody doing like... 72 different versions of The Blessing by Elevation all throughout the world. I was watching Lord of the Rings. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, we were also doing Zoom Sabbath School. We were also, I was making videos for my um, primary school students doing Mm. stupid Mm. things with props and playing the guitar and just being a, a wacko. So mm-hmm. it was also a really fun opportunity to do different things that I've never done before. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, and oh man, we're going through all the deep questions. One more deep question, all right? I promise just just one more deep question. What are you hopeful for for the next half of 2020? What are you hopeful for and what is your gut telling you? Oof, wow. I mean, on a lighter note, I'm hopeful that business meetings and, and board meetings and all of that stuff will remain on Zoom. That would be really great. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's like burn the haystack. You know, you get, the, you, what is it? You take the best and you burn the rest. Yeah, yeah. Save, the save the best and burn the rest. Yeah, yep. I just hope yep. that we do that in a whole Zoom sense as well, that, or like, you know, we take the best bits of isolation and we keep them and we get rid of whatever is not good. Um, but in terms of predictions, look, that's, I almost don't even want to say anything because I think this year has just been a really big lesson for me and not trying to plan too many things and not getting too invested emotionally in sort of my plans for the future. Um, yeah, I, like the Bible says, you know, man, what is it, man, thinks, ugh, Oh, this is embarrassing. Man, <laughs> man makes his plans, but the Lord, Lord orders his path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we probably haven't seen the worst of it yet. Mm. Um, the news tends to tell us that, and I know the situation in America is still, like the cases are still building. It actually hasn't yeah. reached its peak yet, some experts are saying. Yeah. So that's not great news. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe... Do you have anything to say? I might think of some other stuff. Yeah, pretty much just that. Like, I think I'm a fairly cynical person when it comes to, um, like, the world, uh, world news and world matters and things like that. Um, I, I just, I just think, as great as these economic subsidies are, mm. not to, not to, like put an economic tangent or anything like this is not what this podcast is about, I guess. But um, (laughs) I think we're like, we're really treading on eggshells as, as governments like worldwide governments and and spending so much money that doesn't exist. And uh, it, it frustrates me because I spend my entire day making something from raw materials, like going from, uh, something to something else, like adding value through the process. And what I'm seeing with a lot of the governments and how they're subsidizing wages and like letting people borrow infinite amounts, well, sorry, reserve banks letting governments borrow infinite amounts of money. Yeah. Um, there is no added value in that process. Like you can't add value to something that doesn't exist. That money's just being pulled out of thin air. And um, I think we're really short sighted in or at least we have been in the last 150 years as kind of uh, economic beings and we just go into these like 10-year or maybe 15-year cycles of boom and bust and um, I feel like we haven't seen the worst in, of that. Uh, so that's that's my like gut feeling. Mm. But my hope is that it doesn't happen. My hope is that yeah. we somehow like plateau out and equalise and stabilise and 
do all those like economic terms and um because if it does go bad like the the likelihood is that it will go very bad and um then if 2008 if 2008 was the gfc then that's 12 years ago so that's planning us right between that time gap yeah Mm -hmm. and before that was like dot com which was kind of mid to late 90s yeah um so i i just hope that COVID has taught us (laughs) how to survive in like fairly tough times and um my encouragement i guess is is to everyone is just stay safe like stay economically safe stay spiritually safe stay uh socially safe and like health wise as well but just Mm -hmm. err on the side of caution because like it's it's pretty adventist train of thought um (laughs) but (laughs) you know plan for the worst and hope for the best it's interesting um that you mentioned women bust women busting as you were talking about this economic angle it just brought me back to a spiritual angle that i like to share um you know we we have the story of the israelites in the old testament and they are at one one minute they are like seeking god with all, all their heart because they regret what they've done and then god saves them and then the next minute you know they've like turned away from god again you have this cycle throughout history again and again and again and god knows our human nature so well because he always predicts this and he always knows that we're gonna you know become complacent again or forget him or whatever it might be and in the aftermath of this, my hope is that, you know, the isolation has taught us as church members a lesson. You know, don't take human interaction for granted and really try to invest in those relationships and prioritize relationships and things. But I don't know, I just can't help feeling that once the height, sorry, not the height, the high of, you know, meeting together again, maybe for that first month or two is over, that we're just going to go back to our old ways. And I really want to say that we won't. But the reality is I think we're treating COVID as like this, you know, pivotal world, you know, changing moment. But what about the world wars and what about all these other terrible things that happened through history? They permanently change us? I mean, maybe, but mm. I don't know. So mm. it's hard it's hard to predict, I guess. Mm. Yeah. No, that's such a good that's such a good thought. Cause um so last week I talked to Josh Stadnick and he talked about how um, are we going through a blizzard or an ice age? And the the obviously the difference between the two is is huge. You know, a blizzard is very <laughs> short. It might be very intense, but then it ends, and then it's the, the the following morning the sun rises and everything's mm-hmm. back to normal. But if we're going through an ice age, then things are going to pivot and things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Financially, I think we're going to definitely see um, lasting change mm-hmm. for the good or for the bad. I think that remains yet to be seen. And I think we probably are all in the same boat when we think it's probably going to be the bad, but <laughs> we will remain uh, cautiously hopeful about the future in that area. But I, but I think the thing that he talked about was going through an ice age is not necessarily something that just happens to us, but it's something that we can choose to embrace. Mm. So in that sense, do we choose to allow the human nature to just run its course and for us to go back to what's comfortable in whatever context that might look like, but do we actually choose to allow the, um, uh, oh, what is, how does Kerry Newhoff put it? I can't remember now, but like the 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 interruption or the um, the oh man, there was some word that he uses, but it's basically from now from this point on things are changing, mm. and it, after this point, things are not going to be the same again. And are we going to choose that pathway? Um, that is the choice that is ahead. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's that classic inflection point, and uh, you. You can you can choose to like embrace uh, the the positive things that can come from an ice age, and it might be the perfect time to just hibernate and hunker down and wait for that long-awaited morning outside of uh, just like burning all your fat in one night, wait like hoping for the sun to rise yeah. if it's just a blizzard. Like that's a beautiful analogy. That's like one of the most accurate ways to describe what we're going through right now. Mm. Mm. There is a quote that I'm not going to try and 
say because I'll probably butcher it again. <laughs> but it's along the lines of, you know, the telltale sign of a Christian, like a dedicated on-fire Christian, should be that when terrible things happen, they are still happy. Like they emotionally mm. respond differently to the crisis. Mm. And, yeah, I guess that's my prayer for all of us, that we are able to have peace, choose peace, choose love, choose gratitude. Mm. Easier said than done, but it, it is possible with them. So. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, that, I think that is a lovely thought to uh, bring this conversation to a close. Um, thank you guys once again for uh, for coming on and um, chatting about all things COVID and everything else in between. Uh, this has been cool. Yeah. Thanks for having us, man. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm going to give you guys a moment to spruik whatever it is that you've got going on. So, I'll go to Josh first. Josh, if people are in the business or are they wanting a beautiful luxury watch, uh, where do they go? How do they get in touch with you? How can they pull out their their their, their checkbook and write you a million dollar check? You know, tell us. Uh, I don't recommend anyone to buy any luxury goods in this climate. But if you do want to check check what I do out and uh, look at it as maybe pieces of art rather than luxury items, um, you can head to Instagram. That's probably where you'll find all of our photos are the easiest. And that's Nicholas Hacker Watch. And uh, both Nick, my dad, and I run that Instagram account. We put up a bunch of pretty photos and all the rest. So uh, that's what I've got going on and um, it's taking up a lot of my time. So I... Yeah, I really appreciate your patronage, even if it's um, a patronage. Role. I don't want you to take my um, even if it's just uh, virtual and just observant. Hey, man, mm. I have it on good authority that we have a couple of millionaires listening to Burn the Haystacks, <laughs> so you never know. You know. Everyone's That's a millionaire a- on the streets of heaven, bro. Just- <laughs> crown, crown of gold, crown of gold. <laughs> Uh, Mary Ellen, how about you? What, uh, if people want to learn more about uh, Adventist Record and all the good stuff you got going on, where would you point them to? Yeah. Um, so, again, Instagram tends to be the place to be these days. If you head over to Adventist Record, all one word, on Instagram, uh, yeah, we've got some great content there. Also on Facebook, that's probably our main platform for like, news in general. It updates like four or five times a day with all the new news stories from across the South Pacific. So, yeah, definitely check us out. Um, yeah, I like to think that as a social media manager myself, I like to think that's pretty good quality, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I will say on Facebook, you guys are relentless with your content. It's very impressive. Thank you. That means a lot, yeah. <laughs> 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 like the love of Jesus? I, I don't know. Your love is relentless. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Better than reckless. That's my That's so cool. Hey, um, yeah, once again, thank you guys. And um, just a reminder for everybody else, uh, this is our final episode of season three. We are going to be going on a month hiatus. Um, Josh Stollers is busy being a dad right now. Um, so just be, uh, so appreciated our three Joshes and our Mary Ellen who have jumped in the last couple weeks to uh, sub him out but we are going to be coming back uh, on the first week of August with season four of Burn the Haystack. I'm sure Stothers will be back by then. If not, I might just have to fire him and find somebody uh, more committed but hey, um, I'm not a dad so... (laughs) Oh, I've been bagging him out so much. I don't think he's listening to these episodes, but I, I don't know. <laughs> if, Stothers, if you are listening, I love you. Um, and uh, yeah, so happy for you guys um, with your new baby girl. Um, so yeah. If you guys want to keep up with everything that's happening, Burn the Haystack, yes, we're not going to be releasing episodes for the month of July, but you can still find everything Burn the Haystack related at burnthehaystack.org. The Instagram will continue to be updated, the Facebook occasionally, and hopefully we'll be pumping out some more blog articles um, throughout the month of July if um, if Josh Wood decides to be more creative and uh, write some more. So that's really cool. But having said that, uh, if this is the first time uh, you're listening to the podcast, welcome. Um, 
Yeah, a bit disappointed that uh, you're not going to be having episodes for the next month. But hey, go back and listen to some old episodes. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe and uh, you'll be ready and waiting for August when we come back. And uh, apart from that, guys, we love you. Um, enjoy the month of July. Catch up on some old episodes. Go and listen to some other podcasts. Take a walk. Um, I don't know, maybe propose to that girl or that boy. Um, who knows? Uh, and uh, apart from that we'll see you in a month Josh could you uh, do us the honours and send us out thank you for listening to Burn the Haystack and uh, we'll see you or at least Josh and Jesse will see you when they come back in season 4 bye bye was that okay? yeah that was cool that was cool man thank you <laughs> you can always overdub it, bro. I don't know how. I don't know how you can cut it. You can cut it up and slice it and all that. <laughs>